Hey, I appreciate you joining us online. As Ike said, we're going to continue our study in Romans. So if you have a Bible, I'd ask you to open it to Romans chapter 3. When I was younger, Avis had a marketing theme. We try harder. So they checked your blades. They checked your tire pressure. They cleaned your car, even the ashtray. They were on time. We try harder. And it stuck. It was an effective ad campaign. But you know, trying harder won't work with God. And I want to talk about that this morning. So if you got your Bible, open it to Romans 3. We're going to go from verse 21 to verse 31, wrestling with this question, why won't trying harder work with God? Now, the first word in verse 21 is but, and that's setting up a contrast. So we need to think back on, on what's been going on in this letter. Paul wrote to some people he didn't know, and, and he put out this premise. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of salvation to the Jew first and then to the Greek. He went on to say it's in it, uh, the righteousness, right standing with God is revealed. And then he went on to make the case. He started with the Gentiles, the non-religious, and he said, yeah, they haven't had any special revelation with God, but you know what? They're, they're held accountable because God has showed himself in the creation. Then he turned his focus to the Jewish person, the religious person, and said, yeah, you, you've got all this special revelation, but you know, if you don't respond rightly, you're as disconnected from God as, as the Gentile. And he, he took apart the idea of their religious merit badges of their circumcision and their scriptures, and they said that that won't cut it with God. And then in chapter 3, he drew this conclusion that whether you're Jew or Gentile, religious or non-religious, you're separated from God. In, in verse 10, he says, there's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become useless there is none who does good. There's not even one. Man, that's pretty depressing. And Paul went on in chapter 3 to say, you know, our words and our actions show we're far from God. And the idea that we can make it right through our own uh, good works, uh, no, they don't measure up. They, they don't fill the gap. Man, Andy, you got any good news? Yeah, I do. Starting in verse 21, I have real good news from the Apostle Paul. He sets up this transition to say, but now, apart from the law, what we do, the righteousness of God, right standing with God, has been manifested. It's been made known. It's been revealed. Where? In Jesus. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So, hey, this is not a new idea that came along with Jesus. The Old Testament writers, the, the ones who wrote the law and, and the prophets who spoke, looked forward to this sacrifice that God would give that would make us right with God. So this is not a new idea that started with Jesus. It is tracing, tracing all the way back to the beginning of God's relationship with humanity. Paul comes back, even the righteousness of God through faith, that's right standing. 
And I've given a couple examples of that. Uh, as a kid, I had some really wealthy friends who would invite me to their exclusive club. And, and I was treated by the wait staff as someone who was from money when I wasn't. Why? Because they looked at me through the eyes of that other family. Last week, I talked about going for my first loan, and I didn't have the credit score to get the money. But I had a friend who said, I'll sign for him. And they lent me money based on his credit score. Do you understand that you and I, when we stand before God, our score doesn't measure up. But God doesn't look at us on our own. He looks at us through the eyes of Jesus. He says that righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Look, when when you get a credit card or a debit card, um, it'll have a credit limit. You, you can purchase up to a certain amount. But before you, you can use that card, you, you have to call in a code or enter a code to access it. Hey, this right standing with God has been made available through Jesus, but we have to access that through faith. And so that's the good news Paul has for us. And now he's going to make the case, why? Why do we need to do this? So he starts at the end of verse 22. For there is no distinction. Hey, hey, hey. We're, we're, we're all in the same boat. Beginning of chapter 3, he said to the Jew, you know, you think you've got a, a special status, and, and you don't. But all of us are guilty of that, aren't we? We think, you know, we're, we're somehow better. We're above the cut. No, no, no. Paul's saying, I, I want to destroy that myth. There's no distinction. What? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all rebelled against God, and it shows in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. When I used to talk with college students, I said, let's, let's put away the Bible just for a minute and tell me about your own moral code. Have you broken that? Yeah, you're guilty. Uh, let me take the first two of the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, Soul, mind, and spirit. Have you done that? Neither have I. We're guilty. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. You always done that? No, neither have I. Guilty. Let me jump to the uh, New Testament. Just, just one. Ephesians 4.29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. You ever had something proceed from your mouth that shouldn't? I have. Hey, we're guilty. There's no distinction. We're all guilty. And so we don't measure up to God's standard. Our character, our actions, our words, our thoughts fall way short of God's standards. Years ago, I had a friend who was mistakenly invited to a fundraising event for very wealthy people. It was called History's Handful. And he was there conversing with the people. And then uh, they, they began kind of the fundraising pledge. And they started at, you know, we'd like you to consider a gift of $100,000. And, and they worked their way up to a half a million and a million bucks. And, and this person was maybe an engineer making fifty or 60000 He may have been able to kick in five hundred or $1,000, but $100,000? <laughs> a, a half a million? A million? No, he didn't measure up. You know, he said, Andy, I started looking at the watches. It was a Rolex. He didn't fit. Hey, <laughs> when it comes to character when it comes to actions, when it comes to thoughts, when it comes to who we are, we don't fit. We don't measure up. We don't belong in God's presence. But that's not the end of the story. This idea of for all carries through to verse 24. 
for all, being justified, that means just as if we hadn't sinned, as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. We're going to unpack these words more as we go on in the book of Romans, but redemption means we have been bought back. We are justified. It's a legal standing, just as if we never sinned. When Jesus died and rose from the dead and we put our faith in him, we have legal standing. We're right with God. Uh, in February of 2010, my dad died. And before that, my parents had written a will. So in August of 2012, when my mom died, a third of the estate, because I had three brothers, was legally mine. I got something that I hadn't worked for. Look, my parents grew up in the Depression. My parents grew up poor. My dad was in World War II. He was on a B-29. He went through the, the college on the GI Bill, and he worked as a safety engineer, and, and they struggled. But over the years, they amassed this money. I worked nothing for it. But when my mom died, I inherited a third of their estate just as a gift Nothing I had done. Do you understand? When Jesus died and rose again, and we put our faith in him, just like I inherited that money, we inherit right standing with God. It's just as if we'd never sinned. Well, how can that be? Well, verse 25 begins to unpack that, talking about Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Propitiation. That means he took the wrath that we deserved for our sin, for our rebellion. I don't know if you saw or read the book, The Hunger Games, but it's a futuristic book in which people from district, different districts fight and, and the winner claims the prize. In this particular scene, uh, a young lady named Prim, her, her name is Picked, from the bowl, and she will go represent, and she will fight to the death. Either she will kill or she will be killed. She has a sister named Katniss who, who runs towards her, and the guard restrains her. And she says, wait, wait, wait. I'll take her place. So an exchange is made, and Katniss goes in place of Prim to face whatever was to be faced in the Hunger Games. Do you understand? That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. You and I were destined for an eternity, separated from God. And Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. I'll take their place. And when by faith we receive this gift which isn't rightly ours, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, becomes our propitiation. He takes our wrath. And in this, we see the character of God. Let me pick it up in verse 25, middle of verse 25. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that, catch this, he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We understand the justifier. He has taken our sin. But he also, in doing this, shows himself as God to be just. 
He just doesn't sweep it away and say it doesn't matter. It does because he's righteous and he's holy and sin demands judgment. The judgment was taken with Jesus. But God can't just walk away from it. No big deal. Nah, it's about six, seven months ago. I was here in the church building and I needed to run an errand at North Star. And then I was going to take our deposit over to the Union Bank here on North 27th. And so I went to North Star and I went to go to Union Bank and I got turned around. And I couldn't find it. I thought, man, where is it? Where, where am I? And it took me a second to get located. Oh, I, I need to go here. And without looking, I, I turned right into the path of an oncoming car. And you, you know the, the saying, you never know what hits you. I hear the sound. And the next thing, there's a car in front of me with the passenger side totally creased because I didn't look. And so I get out and I talk to the guy and everybody's fine and we're good. He said, let's pull in the parking lot over here. And it was a friendly exchange. I apologize. He said, we're good. No one was hurt. We take pictures of each other's driver's license and our insurance cards. And we picture the damage. It's good. But you know what we didn't say? Hey, no big deal. Nobody worry about that. Somebody had to pay for the damage. We just couldn't walk away. No thing. Somebody had to pay. Turned out to me, I, insurance company has passed on to me in, in my insurance rate. See, there was, a, there was a big crease in the side of his car. I don't even know if his doors would open. And, and the front driver's side of mine, the, the corner was crumpled. Do you understand? That your sin and my sin has caused a crease in the perfect universe of God? You just can't walk away, no thing. Somebody's got to pay. It's you, it's me, or it's Jesus. And for those of us who put our faith in Jesus, he pays the penalty for our sin. And so then, Verses 27 through 30 speak of the necessity of faith. Paul says, where then is boasting? It's excluded. You bet it's excluded. Because you and I, our works don't even come close. By what kind of law? Of works? No. No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. There's nothing you or I could do. It is total faith, dependence on Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin. Verse 29, 30, he's going to speak to the fact that God is the God of everyone. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not only the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. God is the God. God is offering their salvation. God is offering this right standing. God is offering justification to anyone, everybody, Jew and Gentile, who would believe. Since God indeed, who will in justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. This offer of justification, just as if we've never sinned, through faith, it, it's, it's open to everybody. Circumcised, uncircumcised, Jew, Gentile, religious, non-religious. Why the author, offer of faith? Because our works don't measure up. 
our works crease God's universe, just like a crease the side of that car, and somebody has to pay. Jesus paid. See, we're, we're wrestling with this question, why won't trying harder work with God? Here's the deal. Even our best efforts, even our best shot falls short of God's standards. Even our best effort, our best shot falls short of God's standards. Think of my friend who was in this really wealthy group. I mean, he could have gathered all his assets, and he doesn't have what it takes to be in that group. He doesn't measure up. So we don't measure up with God. So Andy, is, is this... Kind of, is this a new idea with, with Jesus? Do we, do we just disregard, you know, all that stuff, the law and the prophets, do we just disregard that? Uh, Paul would say no. It all fits. Verse 31, here's what he says. Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Now, Paul says this is what the prophets, this is what the Folks in the Old Testament were writing about. They were writing this law to say, you need God. And they were looking forward to this Jesus who would come and be the propitiation. Be the one who offers salvation. Uh, Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. He's not doing away with them. In fact, he says, I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever keeps and teaches them, he should be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a consistent message. Look, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were good at being good. They, they were, in fact, they were outstanding at being good. In fact, they took the Old Testament and all the precepts in there, and they added 640 of their own. Man, they kept them all perfectly. Man, they thought they were something, but Jesus said, no, you're a mess because you're clean on the outside and you're dirty on the inside. But Jesus said, you want to talk righteousness? You want to talk about keeping standards? Then wherever the Pharisees are, you better way, way supersede them. The message is, you can't. The good news is, right standing, a justification, redemption, and we'll unpack these terms more, are all offered in the person of Jesus Christ. We access that gift through our faith. Imagine for a moment you and I have the goal of jumping to the moon. Go with me on this for a minute. You climb Mount Everest. That's upwards of 29,000 feet. That's a significant accomplishment. Many people have died. And then uh, me being at sea level and you jumping at, uh, off Mount Everest, I mean, you get 29,005 feet up in the air. I, I only get four or five. Well, in, in one perspective, from the earthly perspective, you're way up there. But, but do you understand the moon's 238,000 miles away? And, and there's a force of gravity that, that you and I would need a rocket ship to, to, to break through. 
And so what looks good on earth, boy, boy, he's, he's, he's way up there. From a celestial perspective, is nothing. No, no, you're, you're, you're both way, way, way down there. And you can't break through gravity. See, we uh, compare ourselves, and maybe you're a little better than me, and I'm a lot better than him, and you're not so good, and, 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 and we use that as our, but we need to understand the goal's the moon. Uh, it's 238,000 miles, and, and there's the, the deal of gravity in there, and, and we can't do that on our own, and it's a mistake to compare. We desperately need the work of Jesus. You know, we, we've talked about this before, but we're living in unprecedented times. Uh, news about uh, COVID-19 is, is everywhere. This morning when I got my little phone out, I, I got on the, the Michigan Rivals board. Not that there's much football on there, but there's all kinds of information on the COVID. And, and what I read this morning is they've, they've tested these homeless people in Boston, and they've got... Uh, 30% who are showing antibodies that they've had the thing and been asymptomatic. And, and why is, of, of all the people, why are, why are the homeless in Boston seeming to not be affected by it? Nobody knows. Now look, I appreciate what the, the science folks are doing. I appreciate they're trying to do a vaccine and they're trying to get treatment. And there's government officials that are trying to distance us. And I, I support that. But if COVID-19 is telling us anything, there's a lot we don't know. And I'd suggest to you, it's now more clear than ever, we need to be connected to the one who does know. His name is Jesus. And a, he died a death he didn't deserve. That you and I could have right standing with God. God would not look at us for who we are, but he'd look at us through the eyes of Jesus. Do you understand? Do we understand why Paul says so emphatically, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for in it is the power of God for salvation to reconnect for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Your faith, my faith in Jesus, accesses something we can't do for ourselves. It gives us right standing with God. You know, I think sometimes we struggle to get a handle on the, I have a friend who says the scandal of grace, it just blows all our concept, all our understanding. We're so performance-based, and Jesus comes along and offers us this free grace. So I went through graduate school as a teaching assistant. So I worked for a professor who taught a Fortran class. It was a computer programming class. It met on Monday and Wednesday. There were about 60 students. And on Tuesday and Thursday, they would break into groups of 30, and I would teach, and I would work problems. And then I would work the help desk, main, big mainframe computer, and I would have office hours. And so the first day of class, the prof said, introduced himself, I'm Dr. Richard, blah, 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 and these are my office hours. But he said, you know, if you're going to get help in this class, Andy McFarland's your man. Andy, put your hand up back there, and I raised my hand. He said, you know, this is who you want to see. And so I was available to students, I was available at that class. We had 
30 minutes. We had the room for another 30 minutes. I'll hang around 30 minutes longer after class if you want me to. I'll be at the help desk. Hey, if you want to stop me in the business building, we're all in the business building together, like UNL, A&M had a business building. You know, and I don't have anywhere to go. I'll help. I'll be glad to help. About a week before the test, uh, he would call me in, and he'd say, Andy, this is what I'm thinking of uh, doing for a test. What do you suggest? You're with them, and, well, Dr. Richard, this and that. And then for the next week when I was in class, I would work... Uh, kind of derivations of that test. Not give them the test exactly, but try and help them work these problems. And that's all good. That's all acceptable. But here's what would have been unacceptable. That the day they take the test, I take it in their place. It's a test I've seen. It's a test I've helped develop. I'm a graduate student. And I take it and I get 100%. You know, if the university found out about that, they would flunk the student and they would fire me. That is unacceptable. Do you understand, though, that is what Jesus Christ, in essence, has done for us. He wrote the Old Testament. He gave us the test, and we failed, failed miserably. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take the test for you and I'll put your name on it. And I'll give you 100% in terms of right standing with God. We can't understand that. We can't quite grasp that. But can we accept it? This God has poured out his grace in Jesus, and he's given us right standing. Look, our best efforts fall way short of the glory of God. But what we can't do for ourselves, he has done for us in Jesus Christ. That is why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Please, don't pass on that gift from God. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for the gospel. And what we could not do for ourselves, you did for us. You took the test that we could not pass, that we might have right standing with you. Jesus, we don't, uh, we don't get this grace, <laughs> but we'll humbly accept it. Thank you, Jesus, for being our propitiation. And it's your name I pray. Amen.